on this Sunday evening. Uh, with me tonight, we've got some usual faces and another guest. Uh, so first up, we have Mark Canty. Hello. And Peter Ray Allison. Good evening. And our guest tonight is Sophie Sparham. How are you? I am very good, thank you. I've got some iced tea. Oh. <laughs> so, Sophie, who are you? What do you do? What, what's the score? Tell us about yourself. Well, I I write things for a living, basically. Um, I suppose I'm primarily a poet, but I also write prose, and as well as that, I make pieces of radio from time to time. Um, I'm also in a Bruce Springsteen tribute band. But... No way! That's amazing. What sort of? Uh, wow. Okay. So do you do you play sort of like? Um, do you get paid well for that? I'm assuming those sort of bands do quite well for themselves. It's not too bad. It's um, you know. Everyone else is in different bands, um, so it's just like a project for fun more than anything, really. But we do, yeah, we we do all right from it. But I, I am Bruce in the project. Holy shit, <laughs> you're the boss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's quality. Do you do yourself up? Or are you just as you are? No, I am. Um, I've got like I've got the denim, and I've got the kind of like little red neck chief yeah it's all denim and white and it's <laughs> great yeah <laughs> it's really fun uh, do you play an instrument as well no i play a little bit of harmonica but nah i leave the instruments to the actual <laughs> musicians that's more blues brothers than the boss really isn't it <laughs> yeah 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 like they know what they're doing though it's good yes yeah, it's, it's been really fun um obviously lockdown has put a bit of a <laughs> dent on gigs as with poetry gigs and 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 conventions and everything really but hopefully we'll uh get back to everything safely safely absolutely yeah that's the key word i mean you also like written a book as well um the name escapes me because i'm complete uh, lunatic when it comes to remembering things it's fine yeah i'm really i really really like writing sci-fi and fantasy i would say i'm probably like there's amazing writers out there. I don't think I've quite cracked it yet, but I did write a book called Snow in Hell and I'm writing something at the moment, um, which is about Star Trek fandom oh, set no in Midlands Town. Uh, so that's quite fun. So I've, re- I've been enjoying writing that over lockdown. So yeah. I'm currently watching uh, Next Generation. I'm on season seven. Um, <laughs> it's the one where their data's dreaming. And uh, I just come to the conclusion, like, Starfleet just don't have any sort of kind of, you know, there's no discipline whatsoever. It's like they can do whatever the fuck they want. And then there's like, the worst they get is, this is going on your record and I'm not very happy with you. And that's it. And it's just like, like, like LaForge took his, took off um, and and took a a ship to try and find his mother. uh, And basically Picard turns around and says, I'm very disappointed in you. This is going on your record. And I was like... Come on, man! This is meant to be a military unit. You should be you should be bloody reprimanded for that shit. <laughs> it reminds me of isn't there a Tumblr thing that goes around that someone screenshotted where there's a joke going on that the humans are uh, the humans in um, Star Trek are the uh, sort of Doc Brown. You give they, they, basically they just give them stuff and they go, wouldn't it be really cool if? And so like the Vulcans just sit back and take notes. And then, like, write present huge numbers of scientific papers where everyone's like, "How did you come up with that idea?" We gave the humans two warp cores, and they slammed them together. Went back in time, 
turned turned was it they turned the sun into a into a Taurus, and then they and then they stole one of the warp cores from the previous selves to undo the sun and go back to the present, and then they high fived themselves and drank Red Bull, <laughs> <laughs> and then and the Klingons are kind of like, why do you let them do this? Because we we've got like five. We've got five papers ready to go. We're presenting three next year. We have patents and all of this stuff. And they're like, can we join your federation? Uh, (laughs) The the, the only reason the board can't beat the humans is they have no plan. They literally just grab shit, plug it together, and hope it works. And the board kind of, oh, they're going to make a really cool plan. So we can figure out they should, if we analyze it, do this and do that and do that. And uh, they went back in time. They brought their past self forward who stabbed me with a sword that shouldn't exist. And then they put me into a holodeck and shot us with hard-like bullets that shouldn't affect us, but they turned off the safeties. And I'm going home now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Sophie, what is your favourite iteration of Trek? I mean, you've got something like five or six now. And why is it Deep Space Nine? Ooh. <laughs> How did you know it was Deep Space Nine? <laughs> because Deep Space Nine is the greatest. Oh, wow. No, it actually genuinely, like, jokes aside, it is Deep Space Nine. I love Deep Space Nine so much because I just think I like it because, um, and I'm not saying this works all the time in series, but because they had the ongoing episodes, like the ongoing story arcs and stuff like that, and you... (laughs) Yeah, I'm just saying it was good. It was good. Like, I, I, I very much enjoyed it. I like all the political... Um, yeah. background and, and ideas and I love Garrick how can you not love Garrick sure, and, yeah. and also the beautiful uh, bromance with Odo and Quark, that is just, it's just great so, it's, got, it's got an episode with with Riker's clone in it doesn't it as well Thomas yeah. yeah, Thomas Riker. Because I've just gone through that episode where he, you know his clone takes himself I, off and then I have, he's got four or three episodes hasn't he because he? he crossed very briefly into TNG because um, when he appeared, and he did two or three appearances before he redeemed himself or something towards like the fifth or sixth season. Yeah, I think I think he was. Did he join the Marquis or something? Yeah, he threw he threw his toys out the pram, tried to steal the Defiant, um, and the fish because he joined the Marquis by pretending he was his brother, brother, and um, then I think he redeemed himself in one of the. Um, he got captured and he redeemed himself trying to help them escape from a. Um, a holding camp or something when they got captured and captured by the Cardassians. Yeah, so, so how did you get into Star Trek? Um, that's a really good question. I I think my ex-girlfriend, yeah, it was my ex-girlfriend, she showed me, like, one of the movies and, and I was like, oh, I don't really think I'd be that into that. And she was like, no, 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 like, you should watch it, you should watch it. And it was one of the, it was the first reboot, actually, um, before I'd seen, like, anything. So she just showed me Ooh. the first reboot. And she, and I, I thought, oh, that's all right. I thought, but it's pretty Hollywood and stuff. I thought, I'd like to see what the original series was. And I watched the original series and I was like, wow, this is, these narrative arcs are crazy. Let's watch it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then, guess, um, my current partner was like, you should watch TNG, like, you should get into it. And I was like, no, it's it's not Kirk and Spark. I just don't think I like it. Like, I'm just, I'm really not sure. And then I watched it, and I was obviously like, wow, this is just <laughs> great. And uh, from then, we just watched 
everything. Rabbit hole, rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. everything. Went to the convention. That that was amazing. Like, it was, which convention oh. was it? Um, now I get confused about years because I feel like we've lost a year. <laughs> so it was oh, the 2018 one in Birmingham. Oh, Destination Star Trek. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. It was really good. Um, uh, it was great, and they had like a costume party, and like some of the costumes were amazing. Oh, yeah. And one of the women um, dressed up as the actual Starship Enterprise, and she had like <laughs> dress that came out to become the dome, like the front of the ship. It was so oh, man. good. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. I was at I was at Destination Star Trek a few years ago, and I was there like when the entire um, cast of well, most of the cast of uh, the original series and TNG all took like went on like a mock bridge and i was just standing there going i'll never ever see this ever again apparently Shatner i just didn't move i just did not move and do it i just stood there and just like this is like a dream come true apparently shatner doesn't really or they don't get it well apparently the original sort of group they don't kind of get on with each other or yeah. don't get on with shatner um, i think that they got they went through a bad period and they were starting to pick up again Oh, right. So there's like there's backwards and forwards as anything with this sort of thing. Yeah, when I was at the press briefing before the main event at Destiny Star Trek, one thing I did notice is that uh, Walter Koenig and um, George Takei went on stage. Mm. And then after they went off, William Shatner went on. Yeah, I think Takei and Shatner don't get on that well. Yeah. But I think it's uh, the whole thing because they were B crew, weren't they? Sort of thing. They were the later ones, and they always felt like he was hogging, from what I can tell. But yeah, but <laughs> it is what it is. I think is a bit yeah, yeah. And but yeah, it was just great just watching them. Everyone kind of take their own positions on the set, and they knew instinctively where to go. Like, oh right, okay, I'm helmsman, I'm, we I'm weapons, and it was just like, wow. I mean, like, yes, I mean, there's a certain almost magical quality to it, isn't there? And no aliens came and kidnapped them. <laughs> yeah. So, so what do you think of the later versions of Star Trek, like um, Enterprise, Voyager, and Destiny? Not Destiny. Um, Discovery. So I've been watching Stargate Universe. No, it's cool. It's cool. Um, I... I feel like Enterprise was robbed a little bit. I felt like it was just kind of getting into mm. its own. Um, obviously, I thought I thought the first two seasons were a little slow, but then I thought it started getting into it, and I was like, "This is cool." Um, Neelix is gone. Like, no, sorry, wrong. I'm getting confused now. So, but I, I thought it was good, um, but I I didn't understand what they they rounded it off at the end really bad. I yeah. thought. Like, they, well, they basically made it a uh, coda to next generation, didn't they? Oh. And that was just. I've not. I've never. I've never watched it. To be honest, that, that Enterprise. You're not missing much, man. Yeah. It was. It was horrible. And what do you mean? I, it, it sort of ties it in with the next generation. Oh no! It basically makes it a coda to the. Um, God, what's it? The episode with. Um, was it the Pegasus? I think wasn't it. Where yeah, it, they, the, they, his old ship that was with the the cloaking device, and where he was having his crisis about leadership and responsibility, basically the entire the entire last episode 
was turned into a holodeck session of him looking back at the end of the Enterprise's mission in order to try and understand yeah. how things worked so he could make a good decision. So about, that's, it's very yeah. similar to sort of his, his last episode of Quantum Leap. <laughs> Where it's, yeah. where it's like just looking back at sort of kind of previous stuff and it's just like uh, to be unfulfilled yeah pretty much but it, it was yeah i thought i thought it could have been good and it was like but i don't know I, I think they lost it a little bit um i am so like the series that have been released in the last few years and like michael's journey and stuff like that i have been enjoying watching them i thought the last series i watched i was like there's too much emotions in this. <laughs> it's, there was a lot of crying. There was a lot of crying. It was very intense. So I did enjoy it. I thought it was good, but I was like, there's, I was like, I need less. I feel like I need less crying in this for me. Yeah. Maybe I'm being saying a controversial thing, but I thought the plot lines are good and good ideas and stuff, but it's a lot more, it's quite complex. Um, again, Picard, there was some stuff I really liked about it, other stuff I didn't quite, I wasn't quite on board with, so I had mixed feelings about that as well. So I don't know, I know some people loved it and some people hated it, I know it was a very Marmite kind of series, mm. from what I gather. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Picard quite a bit, but, and I'm going to be controversial, they should have killed Picard at the end completely. Mm. Not having come back in an android body that just happens to have a human lifespan. Uh, yeah, but it's just like, no, should have killed there's news, there's really a second, just There's a second season for it coming out, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. next year sometime. Uh, next year, uh, I've finished shooting, haven't I? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I like the ideas. I like the kind of the, the rumblings investigating this ball cube. Mm. There's really there's like there's hack, there's hacking into it and finding and researching it. There's loads of ideas, and I like that um, his second in command, that um, former admiral, she was just really cool. Well, she was what a former commander, wasn't she? Huh? His former commander, wasn't it? Yeah, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, but I really like it. Brought a different perspective on the Federation and Star Trek as a whole, because like these are people that were had been there and done that and now they're coming back to it and looking at it with less idealistic eyes and so yeah i found that quite interesting i mean yeah i thought that yeah. was interesting i i just because for me picard is like he can do no wrong i was like no don't make him be hated at the start like he is yeah. nice <laughs> so i know that's well, the whole point yeah, i think more, i think the more kind of like they were making it a political statement of how people could manipulate the perception of yeah. others in order to forward their agenda and i like how they're kind of like using what picard had done and then manipulating it to, to how it basically uh to, to again just kind of manipulate how it was viewed and then pursue their agenda and thought yeah that's that's quite prescient and have well, I actually knows. read the novel, the prequel they did for the series? Because that helps a lot with that first part. Oh, because okay. it, it talks you through how he goes from being Enterprise captain to running a different ship to try and do, to, to, to do the rescue. And so you you know how you understand how he meets the 
the sisters of whatever the Romulan nuns and how um, Raffi got involved and things like that and how she ended That's up in the situation. Raffi. Yeah, yeah, and how she ended up in the situation she was in, and it makes you see that basically they, they took, they conveniently took two very idealistic but talented people, and then they dropped them when they were no longer convenient politically, because they and um, made them carry the bag for it, which is where we see them we come in, but it's also. It definitely, I think it definitely adds plenty to it. I think in some ways it would have been better if they brought some of that material from that book into the opener and made it an extra t- an extra episode mm-hmm. or two. I think the context would probably have helped a lot of people because of that whole shock thing, as you were saying, that Picard's supposed to be the hero. And when you come in with Picard being hated like that, I think that switched off a bunch of people anyway, straight off the bat. And you had no sense of why. You had to kind of figure it out as you went along. Yeah, 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 totally. And but I mean, I think it was a good idea. Like yeah. I think it was, it was. But yeah, I do. I kind of agree with Pete a little bit that maybe Picard should have not. He should have like, had his yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think in the way it's like it should be about Picard's legacy mm. and like you know, what he. I mean, because it's kind of it alludes to it at the start that mm. he has this legacy and sort of an inspiration, and then it's kind of. Kill him off and see what that does, and see the effect like that a person like Picard has, and what he can become, what he can represent, and how that image can be manipulated. And I'm waffling on a bit, so I apologise. I don't know because you. I think it's it's a fine line when it comes to sort of killing off characters and stuff like that. It works in a series where everybody is isn't safe. You know where you know, like in Game of Thrones or something where you can kill people off and you're expecting it and it's sort of, you know, you know, there's no attachments there and stuff like that. But, you know, if you're watching something called Picard and you kill him off, (laughs) you're like, what the fuck? Why? There's a very easy way around that. Basically, you kill Picard off and he's gone. Now, basically, you have just created a massive sort of Damocles above your entire um, cast. Because you you say, if we can kill off our lead cast member, who was named after, who, who was, the show is named after, anyone can die. And then you just name the ship after him. This is the USS yeah. as Picard. I mean, oh, okay. That's, they, not, no, that's not a bad idea. Because they, they could have gone the way they're done with Prodigy. Have you seen that, which is coming soon, the, the kids focus series? And mm. with that, what they're doing is they're doing a, it's a, a children's series focused around a bunch of kids that find an abandoned starship. And um, that's actually the lead on that series is um, Kate, Mul- Kate Mulgrew. But okay. she stars mm. as a, it, it, she stars, it turns out to have been a training starship that was wrecked and abandoned. And she's the onboard command training hologram modeled on Janeway. Okay. So the idea is, so they, I mean, that's, that's another way they, that they're trying out with using the live action character in a different or the original character in a different sort of aspect. That's exciting. Uh, that what did you think? What did you think of Lower Decks though? Oh, that was really good. I, I enjoyed Lower Decks. Deck. Oh, really you good. do need. To, oh, especially if you're really in, if you're into it, and you've watched all the series. All the little in jokes are just hilarious. And when you get to the end of it, and there's even there's an entire there's an entire section on one of the end the last ones, which is all about really really crappy in jokes about merchandise and things like that. <laughs> amazing i i I have been told it's good because the second season's due out soonish and that's even more calling jokes because that ties into some 
more regular appearances from some of the TNG cast members and stuff. Nice, nice. This sounds good. Yeah, it's been recommended to me a few times, and I've been like, I need to watch this. I need to watch this. But I'm always like, I know I shouldn't be, but I'm always so I'm wary of stuff like that because I'm like, oh, is it going to work? Is it not? When really, I should just give it a go. <laughs> if you yeah, don't I'm go, you'll never know. I'm just, I'm trying to just only watch stuff I've never watched before because there's so much good content out there at the moment. I'm trying to limit. I, I don't really watch anything. And at least that, that's what I plan to. I mean, but yeah, so I'm trying to get, get myself out of that comfort zone at the moment. Yeah, yeah, we will. I, I say that. I'm like agreeing, like, yeah, get out of the comfort zone. And what have we been doing? Rewatching all the old X Files. So. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. Well, holy shit. Well. Wow. Like every now and then, I'm watching like the last season of X Files. The what that that the last one of the remake, not reboots, but reboot remake. I never watched those. The, se- the sequel there. series. The new, the, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Either. I didn't go near the, them. I, I I sort of got a bad yeah. taste in my mouth after sort of um after Mulder left and stuff. I was just like, because that but the guy he played uh, um term he was in the Terminator Two. Oh yeah, yeah, and I just. Yes. Yeah, I was just like, Patrick. yeah, that's it, Robert Patrick. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, yeah, it's just not the same. And I just sort of... They're actually not bad. I've, I've been watching them. They're not bad. Just ignore the ARC episodes. The, you know, the ones that kind of go back into the old alien conspiracy arc. Ignore them. They are terrible. But if you look at, like, X-Files has always been about, you know, an anthology series, like in much the style of Kolchak, the Night Stalker, which is about, like, a series, like, well, short stories featuring the same characters. Those are great. When they start doing, like, the overarching plot, it is painful, because they never had, um, like, a, like a, a Bible for the, a series Bible for the X-Files. And so when they start chucking one in and trying to kind of interconnect everything together, you're going... Really? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Really? No, it doesn't. It makes no sense. I'm just like, skip them. And the and like the the they see one off episodes are really, really good. Because like they've updated it, obviously, to kind of take in like modern sensibilities. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I'd I'd say give it a try, just ignore anyone call, any of them got to call my struggle, because it's my struggle one, which is the start of the new ones. And then two and three, which is the first season cliffhanger and and then the second season opening episode skip them you'll have a blast watch them and you'll be one to put a drill in your head i think i've got some uh like because back in the day when i was in school they used to do like when x files was like huge i have like your collectible cards and stuff you know you know once you get with bubble and i've got loads of them like i've got loads of collectible sort of kind of x files cards and stuff Somewhere flying around, so I didn't check that. I didn't dig them out somewhere. I just realised, yeah, with in, in, in a pile of pogs. So there's oh a God. pile of pogs. It's X Files cards. Dude, seriously. Actually, don't, I, I've don't got, say these things. I've got pogs, X Files cards, and do you remember those things that you used to get when Phantom Menace came out? Um, and you got it in serial, but it was basically like busts of the characters from Star oh. Wars, and they had sort of like little sort of um. I'm not sure what it was. You had something inside them, you know, tell them about, tell you about the characters and stuff. So I got a load of them. <laughs> like I was, I was a kid. I just collected all this stuff, all of it. Matt, how many times have you moved? How come you still got all that crap? 
and just man i'm a, I'm a super collector that's why i'm trying to sell a bunch of stuff at the minute and just sort of you know <laughs> get this way too much stuff as people probably oh, see yeah. from my video feed there's boxes everywhere because you know <laughs> yeah oh wow uh, i my friend works at a comic book shop in London and every now and again he gets stuff like Trek stuff in and he always sends it me and he got some collectible cards but they're just like they're so crap they just say like things like corridor on them and stuff <laughs> oh no he was like you don't have to pay for these you just take them just take them I was like wow these are incredible <laughs> <laughs> they did yeah. a pretty good collectible card game when I was at uni that was quite good with all the different characters and stuff in TNG. And that was back when you could get TNG. I think there was a B5 one as well that was quite good. Yeah. That people probably remember. And that was like the good period where everything was just famous enough that people wanted to do the art license, but they actually paid attention and gave a shit rather than just churning out all sorts of filler that was just basically like magic, but with rebadged cards or something. <laughs> mm. uh. Uh, before. So speaking of games, and it's going to be a nice segue, so you'd be impressed. Um, you also need to do D&D, don't you? I am. I'm, I'm quite new at D&D. So I basically, I started, well, I, I came into D&D just before lockdown, right? Like So like two weeks before, I was like sat around the table and I'd had a few goes, like a few one shots and stuff in the past. I was like, right this is, we're going to do this, it's going to be great. And then obviously lockdown happened and I was like, oh, wow, okay, well, my D&D journey might be interesting. So I've been, been playing on Roll20. Oh, yeah, that's um, what we do. Mm. Yeah, it's been, which has been really fun, actually, because they've got, like, you know, they, you can go in the little dungeon and, and then, then where your character is, they can only see a certain amount of things. I thought it was quite clever, really. <laughs> <laughs> I was very impressed. Um, but, yeah, I have been playing it's been great like it's what's your character my character is a half orc called mace and he is a fighter and he's an eldritch knight um and basically he just he's very he's he you would think he'd be like a really terrifying guy but he's actually quite a timid timid orc and he follows around um this lady orc um who is like she's a barbarian called Cody and she's like the, he won't do anything without her making the first move in fights and stuff so say <laughs> we like roll and I'm like to go first they're like Mace what are you going to do I'm like nothing I'm going to wait and see what she does <laughs> so it's been very interesting to play um, it's been a, I, I thought yeah we'll see how that works out but he's not died yet so I mean like come on he's, we've been doing this campaign since like I don't know when did lock when did lockdown start? Two like years, March, nearly, March two years ago. <laughs> yeah, so it's been you know he's still alive. He's going strong. <laughs> the um these two have nearly killed themselves on numerous occasions. They've got this habit of just running off. Pete's barbarian has a habit of just hitting things when he shouldn't do, and uh, well, he, has, he 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 has his own throne bark. <laughs> I hit it with my axe. Yeah. So he just hits it with his axe, and then he and then nearly gets killed. And uh, and um, Lance, who's our you know, I'm sorry, uh, Mark's character, uh, Warforge, just seems to run off and trigger trigger every trap. I did that once. That's not true. I did the main thing was once, which was the running around trying to find help in the um, in the. Um, 
the, yeah, the, the, the basement. Yeah, the basement. Yeah. Yeah. When we were and, surrounded by vampires and spawn, and they were beating the doors in, as I seem to recall. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would like to say we never ever tested my theory of of like of against vampires. What was that? Which theory? Um, okay, the weakness of vampires is that it's like they get harmed by running water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So urinating on them. <laughs> it can't be any worse than than Thomas the Wizard break killing one by falling over and splashing them. Oh yeah. While the bath was still being run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it then counted as running water. <laughs> He, she killed him, and as he passed that <laughs> the water, he splashed her with the water that was still running, and she dissolved. <laughs> and so he came glubbing back to the top when he rolled in our, in, in our stabilization rolls, and just found a pile of mostly dissolved vampire. <laughs> have you have you got yourself into any sort of emotional situations yet in it? Into emotionals? Oh wait, I can. Okay, um, I do. Not super emotional, like they're basically my backstory is that we we were kind of rogues, me and Cody, we were following a commander, um, like the kind of lead guy who in we in like a little gang going around doing stuff, and then we came back and found him dead. So and, and the rest of our, our our group dead. So we're kind of on a mission to try and find out who's done that. And we've there's been a few clues dropped along the way from the DM, so I'm thinking it probably is going to get pretty deep soon. I don't know. Yeah, well, what, what about you guys? Yeah, that's that's it. That's uh-huh. the thing. It's because so I DM this one, and I've got a sort of aim in it to give everybody some sort of emotional trauma if I can at some point in time. So how, how lovely of you! Yeah, I know. Right <laughs> in my in my defense, in my defense, I I spend a lot of try time trying to not get them killed. Uh, or, or trying to save them from doing things that are going to get them killed, like stuff they're going to do. And I'm like, oh no. So I have to think of a way out of it because it's not going to make an interesting stream if all the characters are dead and stuff. That being said, you know, it, you know, I have warned them that once you get double, you get doubled out. So if your damage is double what your hit points are, then you're dead, dead. That's it, you know. So, you know, I can't do anything about that. So as they've leveled up, I'm like, I'm getting worried there is going to be some deaths. And, um, last week well there was two there was two ones where it was quite emotional well last week and the week before the week before it was sort of like uh we had this sort of uh follow-on called um called tristan who was like a, a knight and he'd sort of pledged to uh find the family of um one of the soldiers who had died at a battle so we did a battle and it took like four weeks i think four weeks to get through the battle and stuff we did like you know pretty pretty hardcore sort of kind of D battle Fireball! and uh <laughs> and we basically one of this my brother made the, my brother made the mistake of naming some people in his uh naming some people in his speech to you know that to, to his sort of army and stuff so i went noted and uh, obviously one of them was killed <laughs> and uh the other one basically his his mission was to go and try and sort of find the family and we had a moment where he did and I was trying to describe him sort of going up to the family and providing the note and stuff. And I started choking myself up because I put some sort of like sad music on and I was trying to exp- trying to explain the whole sort of kind of, you know, how their son had died and how, you know, what had happened and things like this. And I was going, and I, I couldn't do it. Um, and then the week afterwards, I, I killed my brother's dog. <laughs> 
right? I did, you know. In the game, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I know. So basically, he, 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 it's Mike's fault. He could have got away with that if he hadn't done a certain thing. When you think about it, because when you gave into originally, it was a statue yeah. that he could call to become the animate dog, but it would go back to being the statue for a period if it died. And he went and did all that work to make sure that it was a proper dog and it was alive. And you warned him. <laughs> and what did he do? <laughs> yeah, so he he basically named it after his actual dog, and he loves that dog. And um, it it got to the point where um, we the the whole thing of it was was there was, there was this basically this crystal that was reforming a dragon in the center of the map, and they had to basically destroy it. Um, but if they did damage to the crystal directly, it would hit it back and do damage to them. So they had to sort of kind of do an indirect sort of kind of, you know, like arrows and things like that. But Pete was just smashing it with his, smashing it with his axe. And um, in the last sort of kind of hit, because basically I said, you've got one more chance to destroy this crystal. Otherwise that dragon's forming up and you're going to have to fight a dragon and you're not going to survive the dragon. So Pete just smashes it with his axe. Uh, and then does like stupid amounts of damage which automatically gets hit back to them so i was like okay do dexterity saves so you know see if you can get out of it and my brother's dog failed the failed hers uh, and i was like oh fuck oh shit because i said everybody takes damage roll me to dexterity most pretty much everybody sort of um it knocked uh it knocked pete out and not some knocked draken out it knocked out um um Thomas, who was our wizard, um, I'm not sure. Did it knock? You know, you 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 stayed conscious. Um, yeah. yeah um, Tharval, my my brother's character, um, he stayed conscious. But I said, "That's a roll for," and you're gonna have to roll for Nanook the dog. And uh, he rolled, and he got like he failed miserably. And I was just like, "What's her hit points?" And she was like one off, like doubled out. And I was just like, "Oh no." So I basically went, okay, I can segue this in to something else because our, our healer, because uh, she's pregnant, you know, in in real life, she's pregnant. Um, and so she had to take some time off to sort of kind of do mother things. Um, so I was like, right, so I kind of need to introduce a new healer, so I might use this. So I basically, and this was horrible of me, but it sort of worked. I made him believe that he had this, basically his dog was dying and he had to say his goodbyes to his dog and he got really upset about it and then uh, and then i you know to the point where he couldn't say anything he wouldn't he couldn't talk so i sort of described it for him and then sort of described this a hooded lady who they'd followed into the forest coming out and putting her hands on uh, on the nook and basically reviving her and then the nook jumping on him and start licking his face and things like that and stuff and that it was uh it was it was an emotional time, <laughs> but yeah, he got his dog back, so it was. Uh, but he's very very precious about it. So he won't send her into combat and stuff. It's like he's just like, no, I don't want her to die. See, she'll level up. So I make I make if she does things, he could train her and he'll level her up. But at the minute, she's quite low, so he's like really precious about her. And when that happened, they could see his face. So I was just like, oh man, I've broken his little heart. <laughs> He did that to your own little brother. I know. Thing is, though, there's there's going to be stuff like that. I've got I've got some pretty. It's not like didn't you say you were going to make all of us cry at some point or another? Yeah, well, it's it's just like because <laughs> the way we do it, Sophie, is that we have downtime as well. So we have like 
uh, WhatsApp groups uh, and on our Discord. So in the Discord channel, we do like uh, role playing through that. So if they're doing stuff that isn't in the game or in the thing, they can talk away in that in their characters and stuff. And we did one where one of the, the old paladins um, was killed because uh, he had to leave. And so we basically killed him in that. And that was pretty emotional because there was a lot of sort of kind of, you know, back and forth and people had been together for a long time. So losing a character was pretty grim. And I've got this thing that I'm basically have some pretty dark stuff coming up. And as much as I don't want to kill characters, I'm aiming not to kill characters. If I can, if I can try, there is going to be stuff that's going to happen. That's probably going to be pretty, pretty sad. So I'm just sort of hoping one, I can hold it together. Well, I'll warn you, Matt, um, I've got a new character lined up. It's going to be Warlock where the patron is me as in the player. (laughs) So I'm going to play so I warn you, I've got some crazy ideas. I'm not afraid to use them. <laughs> hey, I, I, want, I want to use one of those awakening cat characters. That looks like a lot of fun. Mm. I sent you the file for. Oh, I yeah. did a Kickstarter a little while back. Um, where it is? And there, it's a bunch called... Um, oh, I can't remember what they're called now. But they've done like dog and cat casts, and they're about to do another extension. So the idea is all the all of them are different roles and different breeds of dog or cat. That occupy the role. So there's um, there's a, a dragon lean monk, an Abyssinian wizard, a ragdoll bard, a Maine coon fighter, and things like that. And they have the rules and stuff with them as awakened cats or awakened dogs, with their kit and everything. And I was like, I've, to- I've told him if, if he kills me, I'm coming back as a cat, and then he'll see <laughs> how, how screwed he is. Yeah. How did you get into D and D anyway? I think I. Like, I've always known a lot of people that have played it, but I never had given it a go myself. And then, I can't remember, I was watching something and the characters were playing D&D and my friend has been pestering me for ages to come and play D&D with them. And I was like, fine, okay, I'll do it. But <laughs> I, was, I was like, okay, let's go. But it's just amazing, like, because I feel like I don't, when I write, you just live that all on your own but it's like playing D D is like it's like writing but you don't actually <clears throat> you but you with other people i don't know i don't know how to explain it it's, it's great it's like co-writing something but no one's actually making any words on a screen apart from notes that's well, how it's, i describe it i guess yeah it's very creative hobby i mean out of all the hobbies out there it's definitely one of the most creative i know of it makes me think of like beat poetry cooperative beat poetry almost you know, yes. where you have all like the rat, all like rap battles where they have to bounce backwards and forwards. Yeah. So the idea is you have a bunch of people, and all you know is if you get your bit in, you have no idea what the fuck they're going to do next. <laughs> it's just so exciting because, like, yeah, you never know which way it's going to go. So I, I love it, and I get really excited about like world building yeah. or, or like <laughs> maps or anything like that. So I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's great. It's so, so will we ever see any D and D themed poetry? You know what? I was trying to write a poem called uh, "Ode um, to a D 20 but I'm not quite finished. <laughs> yes. <it yet>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to hear that one. I want. Anis Reddy would love to hear that one. Yeah, I just think it's just it's brilliant, and it's like when I was a kid, um, me and my brother, we used to have loads of like little like plastic animals so like farm animals and then like lions and all these different animals and my brother had loads of models of like wwf 
wrestlers as well back when it was WWF. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, like, we used to make them all live in a little town and harmony and, like, the lions were the doctors and, like, the horses ruled and whatever. So I kind of, it kind of reminds me of that, but it makes more sense than <laughs> horses ruling over lions. So, yeah. <laughs> there, there is a, um, there is a um my little ponies uh rpg that you can get oh, wow. it's called uh, i thought it's quest for equestria or something like that yeah i I, <laughs> I bought it for my for my for my ex's daughter once like she had no idea what you know or, and we tried to run through some stuff that, it was quite amusing i was just like oh i should totally do a dark version of this which is like incorporating some of the game of thrones stuff you know <laughs> just make it really messed up you know <laughs> so my little ponies uh, but dark you know so but yeah. uh, Crazy cross yeah. <laughs> you're, you're just asking to up everyone's therapy bills, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, it, it's what I like about it is, is as much as I moaned, like I spent ages, like, well, no, I lie. I used to spend ages, like, really going into every single avenue and sort of make in like what what i was going to do and what they were going to do and how you know this you know this would trigger this and this would trigger this and all of this would <laughs> and be then said. we turned left when you expect us to turn right yeah and it all went downhill from there yeah and it, it got, got to the point where every week i was doing all this prep and they were going completely different directions to the point where i was like i'm not going to do this anymore i'm just go- what i'm going to do is i'm going to have a vague idea of what i need to happen and then if they hit it, then I'm going to do this and then I'll just sort of go with it. And that seems to have worked quite well. And we've gone some, you know, there's some being some crazy directions. But uh, yeah, it's it's been, it's good. Uh, have you ever been tempted to run a game of d and You know what? I would love to, but I do not think I have the knowledge of a dungeon master. <laughs> you don't, you don't, I don't think you need knowledge. Like I, I completely, I started, I played briefly when i was a kid and then we we did like a one shot um which was more of like a murder mystery type thing and uh, you know and it worked quite well bar bar pete nearly killing us all well then bar pete nearly killing everybody you know before the stream was over twice um but you know when i started doing the the dming i didn't know all the rules i didn't know everything it was just because you can homebrew stuff so all you need yeah. to do is sort of as long as you know the basics you can make everything else up it's a make it's a make-believe game and if everybody turns around and says that's oh, that's wrong you go well hashtag homebrew suck it the starter set which i think that pete did with his kids and that's like a simplified, like pre-generated adventure. Yeah. yeah. And everyone mm. grabs the character, and it walks you through it. And then you can buy like the handbook and the DM guide and stuff. Yeah. And kind of push out from there. Like I said, it's so just you- like I don't know all. Like I sit, I'm perpetually asking questions. I'm like, uh, so yeah. what sort of role is this going to be? And it's just like in the end, it's you what you feel is going to do work best, and you know. You don't need to. Th- I don't think you need to think too much into it. There will be people who are purists out there who'll be like, "Oh, but you have to do this, and you can't do that." And you know, but as long as you're enjoying it, as long as the people you're playing with are enjoying it, it doesn't really matter. As long as it's, con- it's consistent throughout, yeah. it doesn't really matter. In it's the just end. a framework to have a laugh, yeah, and not get silly. You know, it's to stop one person from trying to make a big thing about it every now and again when they feel like you have somewhere to lean on when someone wants their their character to be awesome when they it's a bit over the top so as long as everyone's agreeing on it and you're having fun 
you know, and the and the DM hasn't developed a drinking problem yet. <laughs> <laughs> These are very good points. These are very good points. But yeah, I think it's for me. I was like, oh no, like I'd love to run a game, but I don't know. I don't know all the things. But yeah, that when when you put it like that, it's really really. As long as there's consistent, as long as there's consistency, as long as you have a vague, you know, you've got a vague idea. Basically, it's D twenty. Ones fail all the time. Twenties pass all the time. If you don't, you know, if you're the DM and you don't really don't want something to happen, then you can just go no, and and that's it. It's you know, it's as simple as that. There's no sort of you know, and you just have to go. You know, it's your it's your story basically. You have a storyline. You walk them through it. Um, and it's up to you if you want to guide them in certain directions or you want to let them go out for free. As long as you tell them at the start and this is how things are going to be, then just do it. It's loads of fun, you know, like, you know, it's a bit stressful sometimes. Holding a party together can be quite stressful. But um, other than that, you know, it's an amazing thing. You know, I, I, I love it. I really do. And see these two having like cheeky grins on their face <laughs> when you're saying about it being stressful. <laughs> well, well, Pete already DMs for his family. And I've got a little group that um, I'm hoping to start a group doing some Skype, some um, stuff on Roll Twenty soon. I kind of deferred it for some other reasons, um, and so I'm going to try out DMing that way. And at some point, there is actually a Star Trek RPG that um, Midifius do, and that's um, you can either run that in Classic Trek or in TNG. And I want to run that at some point because that looks like a lot of fun. And I may have acquired most of the yeah. Rulebooks expansions already. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever been tempted, like, you know, of running like another, or oh, playing a different uh, role-playing game other than D and D? I have played a few different ones. So I, I played the um, the Star Trek RPG. Like, I played that a few times. Oh yeah, that's good. Um, which I enjoyed. Um, what else have I played? I've played. Oh yeah, we played a Ghostbusters RPG. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's actually a really good system, actually. Yeah, yeah really it was really, really fun, really fun. Um, so that was good. And I played another one, but I can't remember what. I can't remember the which RPG it was, but it was very, very simplified. It was like just completely different to um, D and D. They're all good. Like they've all got their pros and the, you know cons and they're all played differently aren't they so uh, oh yeah i love the ghostbusters one that was so much fun <laughs> oh and we did a red dwarf one as well oh wow oh, boy. Um, oh wow so that was fun i played um so i was a security officer but i was a hologram and basically the ship had been taken over by these space rabbits and they just kept me around because they thought it was hilarious to watch me try and like police. Um, stop! I said stop! I said oh. Yeah, I was just completely useless. And then we tried to overthrow the rabbits, and I said, "Oh, I'll speak to the vending machines to help overthrow the rabbits." And then the vending machines turned against me and formed a union. So that didn't work either. <laughs> it was good. It was a lot of fun. That um, is very Red Dwarf, though. <laughs> it was very Red Dwarf. It was great. Like, yeah, it was really good. So, but that's it. That's okay. what the sort of RPGs. It's these. It's these silly stories and things that you get that are, you know, the best part of it. It's not, you know, for me, it's just sort of like, you know, we had a Rogue Trader, which is like Warhammer 40k sort of um, 
rpg from a few years back and i loved that game and it wasn't even sort of like it was just the sort of kind of the storyline and all the sort of kind of crap that you got yourselves into and completely going off sort of topic and going in like we captured a planet and and, and then he had to learn rules and how to govern planets and stuff and then sort of all this other crazy stuff happened and you know i just got really fond memories of that and it's really great it's so great and i think um like with the red dwarf it was really role play heavy and i was yeah. really terrified of that at first i was like oh my god like i just but i just was like no you just have to just just go just completely go for it and just see what happens and like because my character mace in dnd he's so quiet and he's so and i suppose i saw not intentionally done that but i thought because i was just finding my feet with it and stuff he was kind of like he was kind of like me in going into it, being like, oh, how does this work? All these people are really experienced players and I've just, I've just started. Um, but then, yeah, well, when we started playing like the one shots and stuff, and I was like, no, you just got to go in, just go in hard and just hope that it will fall into place. <laughs> Do you have like a particular character you play? Like, you know, like a preference for a certain type of character you play in the games? I try not to. I try and um, you know mix it up a little bit. Um, I, I'm I'm terrified of doing anything with magic, so I tend to stick to things like like fighters and and, and that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, I was like, I, I really wanted to play rogues when I first started. I was like, I'll do rogues, and, and like my friends was like, Sophie, you do not have the sneaky the sneaky sneaky brain for the rogue. <laughs> I was like. That is a good point. Speak yeah. <laughs> to barbarians and things like that. But, but um, fun, a I naive rogue. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? I'm not supposed to pick the door. It, it fell into my hand as I walked past them. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to do that? <laughs> but, that it's, but I think you just um, I try not to favour anything because I think it's just nice to have a go and, and doing different stuff. Do you? Do you guys have characters that you'll that you'll go for, like playing wise, or do you? I'm always I'm always a fighter. One hundred percent always a fighter. I never deviate when it comes to my RPG characters. They're always good and they're always basically melee weapon based. <laughs> That's it. Uh, yeah, no, I've I've mixed and matched a bit, but obviously I'm playing a ranger fighter at the moment. If I come back, I'm I'm, I'm either looking at a monk or possibly a rogue. I think just to try and change things up a little bit and just see how it goes from there. I tend to play couches that break the rules that because I, I come from a background in engineering where there's so many rules like best practice guides um, and like you know, laws of physics. I like to kind of play something that just ignores all that and just goes damn the consequences let's see what happens when we do this hit with an axe <laughs> we got him uh, we got him his character um because he liked to hit things with his axe so i i i trapped him with a with a magic weapon um uh, and it was oh. basically a magic weapon that it gave him loads of cool stuff gave him a lot of buffs problem is as soon as he took damage it turned it made him go berserk and it, and he would hit who was ever closest to him friend or foe and he basically wiped out an entire tar and then proceeded to wipe out the rest of the party <laughs> with his axe and then i'm saying again but you did this no i didn't <laughs> dude you can still see the dent where you caved my skull in i wouldn't do that to you <laughs> <laughs> we had some really good sort of kind of rp on the discord and stuff where 
um lance's character basically chucked it down a pit and and i said look uh i said that uh pete's character i was like look that that axe means a lot to you it's singing to you and it wants you to be with it and stuff so he was basically getting to the point where he was rolling to throw himself into this pit after the axe oh, no. <laughs> that's not good yeah smack him in the head to make him stop yeah it was it was a close call to be fair but yeah i mean I mean, um, obviously, moving on a bit, is like, obviously, COVID's here. It's fun times. How has kind of all your poetry and all your radio work and video work and writing, how has that been affected by COVID? Well, that's a good question, Pete. Um, so basically, I lost all my work um, in three days after lockdown. That was, uh, I'm self-employed human and... Uh, yeah, so three days after lockdown, like just all the emails came in and I was booked up for work up until February. So that was like a whole year's yeah, worth of work. Um, yeah, it was so it was really harsh. So I sat on the floor for a bit and I thought, oh, my God, like, what am I going to do? And I thought, no, don't panic. It'll be right. You've got a bit of money, like you'll be OK. Um, but then stuff started coming back online. So I ended up doing a lot of like online workshops and did a few commissions. And obviously you can do, you know, you can just speak to people via the, uh, by the little TVs that we all live in now <laughs> on, on the computers. So it came back and I did a few online gigs as well. Um, it wasn't, online gigs are weird. They're very, very strange because like a lot of people tend to be muted so like people will read and then everyone's just like like that but you can't hear anything so you're just like okay cool <laughs> it's a lot easier for poetry than um for music and, and stuff like that because literally you just have to talk at a screen so it, it worked out at the start i was literally like i've got no idea what i'm gonna do um but then things changed and there was so I did do projects and I did projects in places that I didn't think that I would not normally be able to do them in. So like I did loads of um, work for a care home in Rotherham, like a summer school thing for them, and ended up you know doing all sorts of things all on on the Zooms. So it was a uh, it was very weird. It was a weird year. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I took part in a on like a what was it? a live journalism event through the Nottingham University, Nottingham Trent University. And initially it'd be like an in-person gig where I kind of like, you know, we all do it like in the back room of a bar and kind of present and present our journalism before it was printed. But no, but COVID hit a, a month later and like, nope. And then it kept hitting. So like, okay, so do it virtually now. And yeah, that was like a really weird kind of presenting um, my, uh, an article I'd written. But like on Zoom, and but also have to read like, what you write. So it's very different to how you speak. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, so I had to really had to restructure exactly what I was going to say. I couldn't just recite the article. I had to basically entirely adapt it to, you know, presenting it in person or rather in online. Yeah, it's so it's so so odd. Like, because even down to like, so when I would do workshops, I always like have handouts and that for people. Yeah. So, you know, so they can do stuff. Um, 
And I was like, okay, share screen, share screen. That's going to have to be the way. But now I'm going back to like doing actual real workshops. I'm like, I need to make sure that like, my printer actually works, man. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so long. New cartridge, blowing the entire cartridge, just trying to clean the nozzle out. Yeah. <laughs> Look at old days. Print test page. Print another test page. Print another test page. <laughs> I did like re plug it in the other day and it, like I was like, I said to my partner, like, I've got no idea how to use this. <laughs> like, help. But it's been yeah, it's been all right. Like it's it's weird re trying to reintegrate into the world because I think over the past like 18 months I've seen more sheep than I have people. And I'm cool with that. Like that I'm down with that. Like that's all right. But oh, it's um, it's very weird. Like I don't know if you've found a disconnect or if you've been working throughout the whole thing. Or I've been working from home because I'm the way my work works. But I've actually had panic attacks when I have been out and about, like yes. with people, just too peoply, too yeah. many people, not really sort of thinking about stuff. And I'll just sit there and just go. <laughs> I enjoy working from home. Like I work from home as well, and they're sort of kind of threatening to sort of kind of send us back into the office. And I'm like, that is going to cost me so much money. I'm saving loads of money at the minute just by sort of not having to kind of travel into work and stuff. I'm just like, I do not want to go back yeah. into the office. And it's just like, you know, I'm happy enough to do my own thing. I've got loads of hobbies as well, so it doesn't bother me. Um, and you know, I I I don't really need to be in the office because I'm, I'm not really customer facing, as it were. And uh, yeah, so I just, I'm happy enough to go out, meet people now and again and not sort of, you know, and then work from home. But uh, we'll have to see how things go, eh? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm double jabbed. And I mean, I've I work, been working from home now for about six years. Um, one of the reasons why I'm freelance is because so, so I can work from home with the kids and like being there for, for them as need be. But my wife has been working from home as well, uh, Kalia. And she loves it. We get so much more time together. I mean, she can get the kids to school, pick them up, but also it's like she just enjoys. She does not want to go back to work, go back into the office now. And there's been discussions now where she's already negotiated. Well, no, I can stay in from work, like you know, stay, like stay at home, uh, so many days per month or week or whatever. But now. Headhunters are coming around saying, come and work for us, and you can work from home full time. And that's actually becoming a really big motivating factor for, for headhunters. Like, if complete 100% remote working, okay, suddenly that becomes a lot more appealing. It's yeah. not scary anymore, is it? We've proven we can do it. Yeah, exactly. That's the and thing. I, mean, work. I, I think it's very, it's really interesting because, like, same as you, Pete, like, I've worked from home for like, for Miss N for the past, I don't know, the, the past few years, and yeah. it's been, you know, I've got an office in my house, and that was always the setup. But it, I did, but it, it can be isolating as a writer. Like for me, I do like to, even if it's just doing like a workshop or a gig, like just have that conversation. So I found that yeah. difficult, but it, it's nice just to, you know, roll out of bed, have breakfast, whatever, and then just go into your workspace and whatever that's cool. But it's it's really interesting you say that. I, I know there's there's some people that have, have really missed the the office. Like yeah, they've missed going in. But it's but yeah, that I think there's going to be a lot more working from home because, like you say, we've proven that it can be done. Yeah, mm. the main hurdle um, 
for us anyway, has been, I have basically been subcontracted, subcontracted IT support. Mm. I keep threatening I'm going to invoice them for all the number of like, times I've had to help out uh, Kearney with the laptops or anything. Like, so, oh, the VPN's not working. Right, okay, let's see what's happening. And like, basically, a matter of working out, it was, they're using a very certain type of VPN that needed some tweaks done to the router. And it's just like, <laughs> why am I doing this? I have I have write articles that need writing. But, I mean, and also one thing I found as well is, I do the weekly food shop, but rather than kind of order in, I just kind of go out and like do a foraging at Asda and seeing and seeing what we can find. And that's sort of giving me that like, the people and going, yeah, okay, I have enough people right now. Yeah. But I mean, one thing I really missed is, is conventions, like stuff like Edgelit and Alex and um, what have you, going there and seeing people like you know, talking shop. That's the thing. That's what I mean when I say like interaction. Like yeah. I miss when I'm when I mean I miss talking to people. I mean I miss going and be able to talk about sci-fi and fantasy. I miss yeah. being able to have conversations about poetry and art and debating who is the best character in whatever show or <laughs> all the crazy fan fiction that I found online. And I miss that sort of stuff. Like you know, but I think. It's really interesting to speak to people now, like especially um, poets and writers and stuff saying, you know, I used to run around and think I had to make everything all the time and go to every event. And I was just always going, going, going. And I was this included. I think people are kind of like, well, I definitely am approaching back into the world in a much more cautious yeah. way and kind of realising, OK, this is my limit now. I need to... It's not that I don't want to go to all the things. It's just like I will be breaking my limit with stuff. So that's, yeah, which is which is healthy. Yeah. How has yeah. poetry been affected, like, you know, by the uh, COVID? I mean, obviously, like, you can't do in-person like, in events anymore. So that's... But, like, has, like, you know, the subject matter of COVID, of, of uh, poetry changed at all and how we approach it? Um, a lot of people, there's been anthologies that have been coming out, like about survival and yeah. covid there's been many covid anthologies <laughs> and and stuff like that which has been interesting and um yeah like loads of online gigs when it started some gigs are still online now um it's for me it's really made me think about accessibility for people um so you know, people who wouldn't be able to get to gigs, like when we're going back to in-person stuff, do, you know, we should have an online option for them so they, you know, can be included, whether they've got a disability or whether whatever it is that's preventing them from getting to the gig, they should have equal access and opportunity. So that's that's really been something that's come up for me personally, thinking about, thinking about poetry and I suppose, you know, running events and, and stuff like that, because I was doing a load of workshops with um, carers, like people that cared for family member or their parents or, or you know, their, their, their son or daughter or whatever, like from home. So they wouldn't normally, they were like, well, we won't be able to get out to go to anything. And that, because we would be full-time care. So that, that really made me think a lot about that. So, but yeah, there's, there's, 
apparently my friend works in theatre and she's saying that all the shows they're getting sent at the moment is all about covid like i suppose it's also it gives you options and access to more a, a bigger audience as well because you're opening your way up to people to be able to pay to watch without having necessarily needing to be there so the venue's a smaller venue or it doesn't have much car parking or it's out of the way for public transport you can still get someone to buy a ticket yeah and you can exactly. still contact them and have them be part of that conversation yeah yeah totally and, and we had our so i launched my book um a few months ago and we had to do the launch online uh, me and another poet called charlotte lunn because we just kept thinking like oh you know things will be open soon things will be open and i just says to charlotte look let's just do it virtually like <laughs> just we're never gonna know what's gonna happen um but you know like you say that's good because people can you know get a ticket and they can just sit back mute themselves apart from my mum that never been on zoom before didn't know what <laughs> you, thought that she could just the room was like there was there was like we sold over 60 tickets and um she was just there like trying to have a conversation with me i was like mum like you need to mute yourself when every time we got the guy to mute her she just she kept finding the unmute button because she was drunk and thought it was hilarious <laughs> she went rogue, she went rogue. <laughs> um, but yeah like you say like it, it is a good opportunity for getting more more people involved and stuff like that i guess and go maybe looking at things that they might not have thought about attending before and being able to see stuff that they it's like for me i suppose something else that's changed a lot is a lot more people like something that's translated really well online has been writing workshops so they they've come across really good on zoom because you know what do you need for a writing workshop you need yeah. a pen and paper or if it's my teenagers you need a, a laptop or a mobile or whatever it is to write on um they, they they screw their eyes up at me when I say, does everyone got a pen and paper? But like, no, Sophie, obviously. <laughs> like, okay, well, do you get your virtual pen and paper out then? Um, so you're getting a lot. So for me, I've seen a lot more people writing or come into writing that might not or not necessarily either had the time or had thought about doing it before. So that was that was interesting. Nice. Okay. Okay. One thing I've been meaning to ask you, and completely shallow, and I apologise, is your hair is amazing. <laughs> Thank what did, you. Okay, how is it done exactly? Because it's like it's blonde at the front and then red dreads at the back, is it? I've got very long dreadlocks. I'm trying to see. They're just, they're really long. Yeah. It just yeah. reminds <laughs> me of being back in, in Jilly's Rock World. That used to be the, used to be the, the thing when I was when I was but a a, a, a teenager in in Manchester. And they it's like the 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 dreadlocked um hair used to be a big, big thing big thing yeah, back back in the day when I used to have long hair as well. Mm. <sighs> so Sophie, I said people get angry if I windmill Pete. Like they oh, do not no. like that. <laughs> They're just jealous. They're jealous. Um, yeah, I I've had my dreads for probably about thirteen years now. Oh wow! So a little while. Um, yeah, and they just, I don't know, they just keep growing. They fall off every now and again when they fancy it. They just kind of do their thing. <laughs> I've got my very lovely friend reluctantly dyes my hair for me. Because <laughs> I'm, 
I am terrible at my own hair upkeep, so thank you, Eva. And then I've got a lovely dreadlock hairdresser. But yeah, I've had them for years. But I, so for me, and I'm sorry if this is really boring for anyone, but I do them. You just like separate your hair into the sections, backcomb it, backcomb it to, to hell, you know, do that, get it all nice. And then what I don't use wax or anything, um, but how I keep my roots cool and that is Christy, she, she gets like a really tiny crochet hook and just crochet, they're just crocheted in at the top with the roots. So there you go, it's just crocheting, but on Little hair. dreadlocks, I like it. Crafting. <laughs> it's all about crafting at the end of the day. Very crafty. Yeah. crafty. I mean, I feel like. I hope people recognise me because of my red hair, but I've not dyed my hair now for about at least about over eighteen months. Wow! So I mean, like, so you can see that the very end of my hair is red, but it's all natural colour now, and this just feels really weird. Weren't you asking for volunteers that could that would use the dye you provided the other night or something? I'm well. I'm looking for someone um, to help me dye my hair now, because I like, you know it's like it's so long now. Trying to dye it myself is like. I struggle. I, I understand. I so I can, if it's just the root, no problem. But trying to do the entire length of it, it's just like, <laughs> I can't. I need to get a professional to do it. So if your friend's free, I just don't mind using. <laughs> some... I saw I'll tell her. I'll tell her. Um, Please do. But I... she's, uh, yeah, we have to put my hair in a bin bag. For, oh, like, wow. Because it's just, there's just so much of it. Like, and my friend actually works at a hairdresser, like a proper salon thing, my other mate does. But I went there once, and I think the the couple that owned it about fell over. They were just like, because there's all these lovely women getting the nice highlights put in and that, and then she was yeah, dying she fringe bright yellow, yeah, and my dreads couldn't fit in the, the bowl to wash all the dye. Oh, man, it was, it was, so, uh, yeah, how- it was... How big is your hair? It's not in dreads. Or has it been I a don't while? know. Like it was. To be honest, I think a lot of it would just be dead hair, so it would just fall yeah. out. Probably if I if I unravelled it and it all stayed together, it, it's it's coming, style. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's below my butt. It's getting to the point. It's getting long, man. So probably, you know, oh, probably, yeah. if, if it all stayed in, I'd probably be like tripping over it. <laughs> I, I doubt that would happen. <laughs> I do miss my hair. I had it for I had long hair for eleven eleven years, I think. Um, and then I cut it all off and donated it to charity. Some 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 girls got my some little girl has my has uh, my hair <laughs> as, a, oh, as, a, as a wig. Um, but yeah, I used to take well good care of that. I got to the point actually where I remember um, for was it for it must have been like. It was like a charity thing for um, work. So I dressed up as Matilda. As sort of, I dressed up as a lady. I shaved my beard off and everything. I did sort of like, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> Had my long hair. Got my girlfriend at the time to do my hair properly and stuff. So it was all sort of like, you know, nice and wavy and stuff. And like, I, I looked after my hair anyway, as it was. But I was like this. And I remember sort of kind of being in the lift and my sort of kind of like, like this crop. Not the crop. It was like this boob tube type thing with like stuffed. And like, um, you know... <laughs> Got the point, actually, right? I, and I thought I looked pretty good. And I got a double take from a guy because I had to walk into work and I was walking into work with this thing and this guy was just sort of like, give me a double take to sort of kind of look at me. And I was in the lift and one of the secretaries is like, oh my God, I love I love your hair. and I love the wig. Where did you get it from? I said, this is my hair. Actually. It's all mine. 
it's all mine and she's like no it's not and so she was like stroking it and stuff's like oh it's so soft so nice and i was like oh, i condition i look after it and stuff <laughs> yeah so yeah I, I love my hair it was just a bit of a pain in the ass i think so like especially like sleeping and stuff i always like, get it in my face and i was just like so it's good you know my, my short hair now not having hair in my face but yeah yeah getting it being free of it yeah my my partner calls my hair the wig <laughs> like it's a separate like it's a separate entity when we go to bed like it's like get the wig out of my face move the wig yeah i had to kind of move my hair to the side and put my head down on the pillow it's like hair over there me here yeah you've got it it's, it becomes a whole new entity of your yeah. Of your person, and you've got long hair. <laughs> Just this is as long as mine gets. Yeah. <laughs> like a double crown and stuff. So if I let it get too long, it does miss Majika. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's bad enough that when I get up in the morning, I have little tufts over my ears, and I have a sticky up bit there, and things like that. I just, I just keep it at about sort of grade three or grade four, because at least then I can control it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's funny you say about Majika, um, because. Like we were, me and Gez, who's my other half, we were out bird watching the other day, and he went, "Look at that bird! It's got a majika." And I thought that was an actual thing that birds had on them, <laughs> like a description. Oh, so I was like trying to Google birds with majikas, and it, it, he had to tell me it was off a program. <laughs> Did not go uh, down well. <laughs> I mean, you say about donating your hair. My friend's um, daughter the other day woke up and said, "It's my birthday next week." Yeah. And she's been growing out her. She has like proper right fiery red hair, and it came down to about there. And she said, I, "I know you've probably already got me a present, but I would like you to take me to the hairdressers." Why? She goes, "Because I think I'd like to donate my hair for someone to have it that someone that, that doesn't oh. have hair." And she, her mum just couldn't stop crying for like an hour. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So one of so like one of her birthday presents was to go, and her hair is still quite short. It's um a little bit longer than mine. But she like not had like a proper haircut for so long, you know, like everything had just been let to grow out, and it just all gone. And it's like, wow. Yeah. Well, it is the same. My daughter's the same. Like, you know, she she's a teenager now. That is scary in itself. And <laughs> yeah, basically, she she's just gone ahead now, and she says, yeah, when it's when we can, like when the when the opportunity's right, she wants to donate it all to charity, and just going, bloody daddy. No, she's like, I could do with some extra hair.
and we like we don't care like what anyone is we just we just accept everyone he was like so go and educate the homophobic adults okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was like wow one i just got told by a 15 year old but i was like two like that's very very cool that made me really happy yeah Yeah. i mean I went to I went to I went to schools in Northern Ireland, so uh, it wasn't sort of that sort of thing was definitely not taught. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I was, was going to say, I think Sophie'd need body armor and an armed guard for that one, wouldn't she? <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not. Just, and that's just the parents. They're uh, yeah. <laughs> the parents. Yeah, definitely for the parents. Yeah. Uh, the AK forty seven. <laughs> but no, it's it's good. Like the more I go into schools, like and do whatever be it poetry or whatever it is like the kids are just they're so on the pulse with stuff and they just don't care about loads of stuff that past generations have cared about or made a big deal of they're just like yeah whatever people are how they are and we're just cool like obviously there's there's still going to be stuff that that goes off but the majority of them are just not bothered they just want to watch tiktok videos (laughs) talking about tiktok videos my dog's famous on tiktok your dog's famous. Well, yeah, he's got 142,000 followers. He uses, what? Dog, he uses <laughs> dogs to get followers so he can make um make videos about military history and be ignored by TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I basically I, I locked down. So one of the, uh, one of the um things I did at the start of lockdown was like uh was start a TikTok because my ex at the time sort of started one, and I was like, oh, I'll just start one and do silly stuff. So I was doing like um uh anchorman sort of quotes and things like that i thought this is hilarious everybody's gonna love this they're gonna be so interested in this they weren't nobody was interested in my shit at all whatsoever and then one day i put a picture i put a video of my dog lying there and everybody literally just blew up and i was like oh what sort of dog is that what is this blah 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 loads of questions and i got to the point where it was just like I did, you know, my my biggest video, or I say my biggest video, Boz's biggest video, has 11 million views. What? Has 11 million views, has like 3 million likes, and got to the point where um, I um, I basically sold it, the video, well not sold the video, sold the rights to the video to a company and stuff um, for it. And he made me, he made me 650 quid. Um, oh my dear, <laughs> your brother's done that once or twice as well, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's just a couple of a uh, couple of his dogs. So dogs are a thing. So he's like, Boz has got one hundred forty-two thousand followers. Uh, I started like one for Geek Pride, and I don't do a lot for it to be honest. Uh, it's got like forty followers or something stupid on it. Uh, I started a history one, um, which I sort of dump on my on Boz's one now and again with a picture of Boz beside it, just so he, you know, people go, oh, "It's still the dog." It's just got my history thing inside. It's got what four thousand followers, but yeah, one hundred forty-two thousand followers. He's he that's, is officially TikTok famous. That's insane. What does he do on the videos? What does he? What's very what little. He very little. It's literally like the video that has eleven. Oh, there he goes. The video that has 11 million views was me opening the door to him in the snow because he's he doesn't like precipitation. He doesn't mind being outside at all, but he doesn't like precipitation. So when it was snowing on him, he just he's, he comes to the door. I open it and he's covered in snow and he makes this little sort of kind of whimper sound. And then I tell him to sort of kind of shake and I'm going, shake, brr, brr. And he's like, that's it. And that's it. It's just, that's it. And people are going, you've got to bury your door. And it's just like, it was mad. It just blew it. Like over a two week period, I went from 
30,000 followers to 130,000 followers in the space of like two weeks, <laughs> which is mad. That's crazy. Absolutely insane. Over one video. And it's just like, People yeah. Weird. And I get, I get, I, I get two P, I get two P for every thousand views that he gets. Um, so it's not lots of money, but you know, every now and again, sort of, it's sort of, you know, like I said, I I just bought a new house, so Boz's money, um, helped help fix the roof basically. So well done, Boz. Well, yeah, he's got pay twice, right? Yeah, well, yeah, he cost me a small fortune to be honest, but uh, yeah, there you go. Um, Animals do. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, we've got a little channel where we share for friends with. We've got two cats, which surprisingly haven't intruded. They're probably dead downstairs, hiding from the heat that we adopted about a year and a half ago now. And um, we get, we, we, we're unfortunately not quite, t- we're not quite famous in the same way you are. Cause that would be nice to pay for the bills. <laughs> <laughs> if only they paid more, if only they paid more. It's just like, it's just two, two P sort of every sort of thousand views is nothing. It looks just it's like, I can, be, I can make so much money. So it's much enough money. to interest the teenagers. And that's yeah. all they really care about. Yeah. Cause the teenagers are making most of the content and they don't understand the value of money yet. Cause mum and dad still pay for everything. Yeah, true. <laughs> Very true. But there you go. That's it. Uh, haven't done, haven't done a lot of videos with him recently and stuff because um, I've been busy. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's still on there, and people people miss it. It's funny though. It's really funny because I'll sit there and I'll be I'll do lives. So you do these live streams, and like people, you know, just want to see the dog. If I even show my face on that video, people are like, uh where's your oh. dog? Where's your dog? <laughs> and I have to turn it over to the dog because it's like. You know, people are just zero interest in me, and it's like people will go, "Ah, oh, we've missed Boz," and you know, "Oh, and you, Matt," and I was like, "Yeah, of course you." You've missed yeah, your place. I'm, I'm just, place. I'm just a glorified cameraman and stuff, so it's just like for him, Boz. You're, you're there for maintenance and camera duties. Yeah. Don't forget. Don't think that they want to see you or hear you. Yeah, They're there for the dog. It's like if he's he's if he's walking down the road and I'm doing a live and he's taking a shit or something I'm like oh, okay I'll switch it to me and I'll talk away because generally I talk about you know people ask questions and I sort of answer them while he's sort of wandering around but then as soon as it's me he's like where, where, where's boss it's like he's taking a shit I don't really you know unless you want to see him dumping right now you got this weird face and he's sort of looking at you you know but there you know there he is but <laughs> that might be the thing. <laughs> this now i need to try and find his channel uh it's called <laughs> it's called matt geek pride so m-a-t-t geek pride all one word uh is the is boz's uh boz's page i really need to change the name of it but it was originally mine and then he just took over it you just can't keep up though right yeah there, i haven't done anything overly exciting on it recently and stuff but yeah it's on there there's a fair few videos over lockdown and stuff but yeah <laughs> matt geek pride so what's, uh, so what's the future hold for Sophie Sparham? <laughs> Looking for bars on TikTok, it seems. <laughs> finding finding uh, this famous dog. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't know. I want to write, I want to get this novel done, um, tidy up the bits I need tidying up and hopefully do something with that. that more sci-fi? Um, yeah, it's, well, it's weird. It's a weird book because... I was I've written like a bunch of stuff and it was sci-fi but it wasn't right the world building wasn't totally right and I was just like oh this is not working oh this is not working and then my friend was like but you write real life well in poetry and I was like I don't want to write real life I write <laughs> and then um the idea came to me I was like just write about like a, a Star Trek like fan group 
just you you've been in them like just write about that right what you know yeah so, so i've been so that's what i that's what it is so it's i don't know what it is is it <laughs> sci-fi is it real life have you ever read red shirts by john scalzi have I read Redshirt? No, I'm gonna. John Scalzi's an American author. He's one of these ones that managed to talk up a really good deal. Like I think he's got like a ten-year deal worth about one point two million dollars. But he's done a bunch of sci-fi stuff. He did one, a, a series called Old Man's War. But he wrote Redshirts. But he wrote Redshirts, and it's a pastiche on Star Trek, where these people are on this ship, and they suddenly realise that some of the some of the below decks crew suddenly realise. There's some really weird shit going on. Lots of people keep dying, but like the leads seem to be in, in basically invincible. And they fig and it turns out they figure out they're actually in the future the stars of a sci-fi show in the past and have to go back to try and find a way to save themselves oh, in wow. the past, co-inhabiting with the cast of and the cast and the crew of the, of the series, which is about to be cancelled or something like that, from memory. All right, okay. Like it's meta. really meta. Yeah, that's like <laughs> super, <laughs> super meta. <laughs> super it's, meta. It's another one of those things, right? You you can only you can really appreciate it because it's been written with written out of love in the same way the Orville works quite well yeah. because it's written from a place of love, but it's pointing out the silly shit. <laughs> that's what we like, though. We like yeah. things from you know. It's good, like it's. That's that's a good. As, as for Galaxy Quest as well, you, we don't mind people taking the Mickey out of the silly things. I love Galaxy Quest because, yes. so much because it's they're the best with Star you. Yeah. because they're there with you, laughing and throwing yeah. popcorn at the screen. Did you like the you know, Orville? Like you feel like you're in jokes. Yeah, I think the Orville was. I didn't fully get into it. I feel like I need to give the Orville another chance. I feel like I got one episode in and I just I wasn't in the space for it. Uh, series three should be out next week. They've just next next year. They've just finished primary primary filming with a lot of it. Yeah. So we'll probably see that next year. But I thought it was really time. good. I thought it was really yeah. good. It was just sort of yeah. like it was like old school generation, but with yeah. sort of you know it, it was it is like you know with the comic with sort of you know his sort of kind of you know comic edge to it and stuff but it was sort of it had that each episode was its own little sort of kind of story there was oh, sort of like an, an overlying sort of kind of arc ish to it but uh, yeah, yeah. But I still think that one was very self-contained wasn't it yeah i think the one with the smoking was hilarious though with the uh, the smoking and the mocklands oh yes. I, yes I feel like i've been running all my life and i've just stood, and i've just sat down <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i thought it was really good i enjoyed it yeah Jaloja. Yeah, cool. Right, right. Um, I need to go and take this hound for a walk because he's he's starting to get restless now. Um, so I'll let you uh, find him on TikTok, Sophie, and uh, make sure you make sure you give us a follow uh, and a like and all that stuff. You know, if you go through all the videos and watch them once and give them a like and give them a share, you know, adds more money. You know, gives gives us money. You know, pays for my roof. Yeah, gives gives pays for my roof. Um. Yeah, so it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for talking to us. It's been great. Um, for tonight, I've been Matt Geary. With me has been Mark Canty. Good night, all. Thank you, Sophie. Peter Allison. Take care, everyone. Look after each other. And our guest, Sophie Sparham. Thank you very much for having us. See you later. Bye. See you later.